So here is the big question. How do entrepreneurs like us, who started sales or direct selling or network marketing, how did we start our journey but now feel stuck, feel like we're struggling or we can't level up to where we want to be, where we know we can be? How do we break through and prove everybody wrong? Everybody wrong. Show ourselves that we are successful and show ourselves that we can win. That is the big question. And this is the podcast that will give you the answers. My name is Lisa Hawker, and this is Direct AF Sales. Welcome back to the show, you guys. I'm really, really psyched uh, to be hosting a gentleman in every sense of the word named Princeton Clark. He is an author, a podcaster, a coach, an entrepreneur, He is the founder and CEO of Evolved Mastery, which is a coaching and training system. It's a catalyst for change. So if you're looking for change in 2022, you have come to the right show. You are listening to the right show. He has a podcast called Evolved Mastery Podcast, a book called Awakening Your Inner Master, The Journey of Self-Mastery. He is a jack of all trades <laughs> and a superstar. And I'm really proud to call him my friend. Princeton, welcome to the show. Oh, thank you for having me, Lisa. It's an honor to be on your show. And it's an honor to just be a part of your, your circle. So thank you for having me. Well, thank you for joining us. You know, I was so um, moved by your story, hearing your story that I I knew I had to invite you onto the show so that my audience can be inspired by you as I was inspired by you at the recent um, Tucson event that we met at. Uh, 365 driven event. And it was such a fortuitous meeting to have with you. Um, There was a guest that was scheduled just prior to you. And unfortunately, I think it might have been you, but there was a guest prior and I think you were a last minute, very, very welcome and beautiful addition to the (laughs) event. And I feel really blessed to have met you in person and and be your friend and have your cell phone number and be able to talk to you whenever I want. (laughs) (laughs) Don't get jealous, folks. Don't get jealous. No, be very jealous. Like, like my circle is really small. You know, I don't bring a lot of people into my circle, but that event was amazing, you know, because I got to meet beautiful people like yourself. And I'm really good friends with Tony, you know, and so I'd actually reached out to him before the event. And of course, he already had all of his speakers, but he was like, yeah, for sure at the next one. And so when he messaged me back and he said, hey, man, like, would you like to close out my event? I was like, of course I would, you know, and so, you know, just being who I am, I'm always ready. You know, I'm always excited to show up and inspire people, awaken them to their own inner mastery. And that's what I was given the opportunity to do for you guys. And we built some great relationships at that time. So I'm looking forward to this next year and what's to come for everyone. Absolutely. And if any of you are curious about what the heck it is we're talking about, we're talking about a a guy named Tony Watley. He runs an amazing um, entrepreneurial mastermind group called 365 Driven. And his wife, Lisa, is the Julie McCoy of the whole thing. I mean, she is the cruise director and she puts on such an amazing event. But let's talk about you, Prince. And I want to talk about who you are, what you're passionate about, how you got there. All the things. All the things. Well, you know, 
first off, I'm really excited to be at the space that I'm in in my life. You know, most people meet me, they hear me speak, they they see what I've achieved. You know, I've, I've worked with people like Tony Robbins and Dean Graziosi, Pat Quinn, Pete Vargas, a lot of people high up in the industry. I've had the pleasure of building courses and events with them. And, you know, being at this space that I'm in now, you know, I look back on my life. I was telling a friend recently that I woke up crying one morning as I was going into the mastermind.com office. I woke up crying because I had a dream that I was back in my old life. And I w- it was like I was doing the things that I used to do, and I'll get into that, but I was doing the things that I used to do, and and I was just angry. Like, this can't be my life. Like, I want to change lives. I want to impact people. And I woke up that morning and I just started crying because I get to live this new life. I get to live this life today, you know, but for the listeners who don't know me, for the listeners out there who are saying, well, you know, that's awesome. You know, I, like you said, I have a book, I have a podcast, I'm impacting people all over the world. That's that's amazing. But a lot of the times people have a tendency to look at people who've achieved, you know, said goals or, you know, who walk through certain doors in their life. And, you know, they kind of have this attitude like, man, must be nice for you. Like, but they don't know the backstory of the work that we had to put in to get to that point. And so for the listeners, I'm going to take you back. I'm going to rewind, you know, before I became this impactful, inspiring, loving individual that I am today. You know, I was abused as a kid. You know, I was raised in this area in Virginia called Brookmill, Virginia. You know, I say it's a two blink town. You blink once, you're halfway through it. You blink twice, you're out of it. You know, but the nearest city, you know, was Lynchburg, Virginia, Jerry Falwell well town, as we call it. But during that time in my life, growing up, most of the people who were born there died there. You know, there's there's hardly anything there, you know, but growing up, I, I was abused, you know, mentally, physically, verbally and emotionally. I was molested between the ages of nine and 11. And, you know, it's kind of one of those things that you just never spoke about it. You never talked about it. And I honestly, for most of my life, early life, I didn't even realize that it was it was wrong. Like, because I was growing up around it, it just seemed normal to me. Like it seemed like this was something that some people, it, it just happens to them. But I remember at the age of 16, sitting at my grandmother's house and she was watching the old Phil Donahue talk show. And in that show, they were talking to victims of domestic violence. And it just so happened that there was a young man on there. He was older than me at the time. He was in his 20s. And he was sharing his story. And he was talking about the abuse and, you know, the molestation and stuff that he had experienced. And it was almost identical to my story. And I remember sitting there that day, my face got hot, my ears got hot. And this rage, like, I remember feeling used and mistreated and like by people close to me, like family members, it wasn't like strangers, you know, my immediate family weren't my molesters. It was a a distant cousin, you know, a relative, you know, but all of this came flooding in at once. And in your teens, man, you're already trying to find yourself. You know, you're trying to understand where you're going, who you are, like all these different things. But at that time in my life, I remember just being filled with rage. I was a tremendous athlete at that time, all around athlete, but my sport of focus at that time was track. And so I was a tremendous track athlete, went to state four years in a row. And because of the depression, my mom actually found a a journal that I used to keep under my my bed, bed where I would talk about killing myself. 
Like I hated myself. I hated my life. I hated people. But I was also one of those people who, when you saw me, I had a smile on my face. Like you would never know the pain that I was experiencing. You didn't see me at night when I was crying because I didn't love myself. I felt worthless. I was told I would never be worth a penny. Like nobody saw that side of Princeton. Go ahead. You want to say? Yeah, I have a question for you and I hate interrupting your flow, but I, I really, no, I, yeah, I, so during this period of self-loathing and depression and anger and rage, did you correlate those emotions to the, to the abuse, to the sexual abuse or the physical abuse or the emotional abuse? Or did you not know where those feelings were coming from and you were confused as to why you had? No, I totally knew where they came from. I totally knew where, where it came from. But again, like most people who've been in situations like that, you know, they victimize themselves even more because it happened. And they start blaming the world for everything. I was just, at that point in my life, I was just angry. Like I was, I had this rage in me. I was angry, but in, in a weird way, you know, thinking back on it, even as we're having this conversation right now, I still wanted other people to be happy because I know what it felt like to be sad. You know, I, I but again, when I took the mask off, when I got home, all that pain that I pushed down throughout the day and making everybody else smile, making sure everybody else is okay. Like it, it came out. And so long story short, I ended up having to see a psychiatrist my senior year. My parents took me to see a psychiatrist after my mom found the journal and they put me on medication. But even at that point in my life, I've been on medication for ADD and ADHD, hyperactivity, quote unquote, you know, from the time that I was a child, you know, first grade all the way up to this point. And I felt like a zombie, like literally, I remember as a kid being on this medication. And this is why I am not an advocate for, for, for medicating when it comes to this, because I lived it. I know what it feels like. I felt like a zombie. I remember being on the playground, watching other kids play and thinking to myself, I wish I could play. But that medication just, it locked me in myself. And long story short, you compile all of that on top of the abuse, on top of the stuff that happened to me. You know, at this point in my life, like really feeling worthless, hopeless, you know, even being a tremendous athlete, I didn't feel like I had any worth in my life, you know, and I understood that other people felt that way too. And you just never knew because I remember thinking to myself at that time in my life, if I can wear this mask every single day and make other people smile, how many other people are doing the exact same thing? Great point. You know, Great insight for such a young mm -hmm. man. Yeah. And, but that's why I wanted to make people smile because I knew, you know, I guess I was always destined. No, I know I was always destined to be where I am now, but I had to grow through my own life path curriculum to learn certain lessons because my spirit was strong enough to navigate through it. And it was just a part of the promise for me. But long story short, you know, I ended up barely graduating high school after being on the medication that the psychiatrist had put me on. I stopped taking it after tw after two times because I was like, this isn't going to change. Like, even though, you know, I take this medicine, it's not going to change what happened to me. It's not going to change, you know, my surroundings. It's not going to change any of that. I'm still going to be here dealing with the pain, dealing with the emotions. And this is why, again, I work a lot with meditation with clients and stuff like going deeper, tapping back into that inner child, really understanding where the struggles and the challenges are stemming from and how to heal those areas so that they can step into their power personally and professionally. Because even as professionals, I can't tell you how many seven and eight figure earners I've worked with who they have all the money, all the stuff, and they're so busy still wearing that mask, even as adults, that the mask, the lie has taken over them 
But this is why you have people like Robin Williams made the world laugh, but then took his own life. And that was such a tragedy. You know, and and we don't realize that a lot of the times that's a coping mechanism for people who are struggling with depression and struggling with the things that they've endured, the the traumas that they've experienced in their life. It's a coping mechanism. And this is why I'm, I'm a heavy advocate for, you know, mental health awareness, like understanding that we're all processing through something and everybody's going through something. But for me, you know, I barely ended up graduating high school, ended up on games or in games. I ended up selling drugs. I was on drugs. I was an alcoholic before I turned 21 and I used to drink so much, I had bleeding ulcers, I would throw up blood. I would smoke a pack to two pack of cigarettes a day, you know, and I got married to my high school sweetheart. The one person, I'll be honest, she was more like a a mother friend to me, you know, like that person that loved me regardless. Like she was one of those people. And, you know, her father had committed suicide when she was 11 and she had never really dealt with it, you know? And so we kind of trauma bonded in a lot of ways. Yeah. And, but we built a really, really strong relationship. And, you know, I decided I'm going to get married. Like, I'm going to give my family the love that I never had. And as you guys can imagine, all the listeners out in podcast land, <laughs> you can't give something that you haven't learned how to give yourself. And I learned that really quick. I always tell people I learned unconditional love in that relationship. But, you know, After that happened, it hit me like a ton of bricks. It hit me and I realized like, how can I give them what I don't even have for me? And I started judging myself again, already still dealing with the stuff that I haven't healed from, from my childhood. And for three years, it was like arguing and back and forth. We separated, we got back together. And I remember being 23 years old, just getting to this point where I was sick and tired of it. I hated myself. I hated my life. I felt like my kids would be better off if I was gone. You know, their mom would be able to marry someone else and they would be happy. My family wouldn't have to be worried about me anymore. And at this point in my life, like I'm fighting all the time, drinking, drugs, the whole nine, gang related activity. I've been in shootouts. I've seen things that most people only see on TV at such an early age. And unfortunately, there's a lot of people in this world, especially even in the States that experience stuff that most people only see on TV. And so as a result, they don't, they can't really comprehend or understand why certain people show up a certain way but i always say hurt people hurt people and if we don't start speaking to the hurt we don't start speaking to the pain we will never be able to truly have impact and this is why a huge part of the work that i've grown to do you know well before i get into that you know at that being at that point in my life having those experiences i'm sitting in my car 23 years old i put a gun to my head and i say i'm done And, you know, people say, well, if you wanted to commit suicide, you would have done it. No, I I literally put the gun to my head and I pulled the trigger, but the gun misfired. And when that happened, it shot chills from the top of my head all the way to my feet, like, like lightning hit my body. And I remember sitting there and feeling through everything that had just happened. And for the first time in my life, I remember asking the question, why am I here? What is the point of all of this? Why? You know, some people go through this. Some people go through this. Some people go through that. But I'm going through all of this. Why? Why me? And I remember this is probably one of the earliest moments that I actually remember having what most people call that spiritual aha moment where you hear this voice speak to you and it's as clear as day. And during that time, I was so open. I would say, even though the literal bullet didn't fire, a conscious one did. I become, I became hyper aware in that moment. I had a massive awakening shift in my life. And 
I heard this, this voice just speak to me and say, you know, you're not where you are because of what happened to you. You're where you are because of how you chose to respond to what happened to you. And like that week, man, I, I just kept thinking about that. And it was so crazy because I, one of the biggest realizations that I had at that point was that from the moment that that gun misfired, every breath that I would breathe from that moment was a gift. It was a gift. And it's easy to say that tomorrow's not promised. You know, every breath is a gift, <clears throat> honor each moment. But really, until you've had an experience that really brings you to the end of yourself, to where you come face to face with this hyper awareness that you literally created this reality, you're creating your reality. Yes, people do things and again, hurt people hurt people. But at the end of the day, as adults, if we have our mental faculties and all of our awareness to choose, you know, we're free to choose what our life is going to be like. At the end of the day, it's, it's your responsibility to change your life. And so that's what I did. Like that week, I quit drinking cold turkey. I quit using drugs, cold turkey. I walked away from gangs. My friends and the people that I rolled with were like, yeah, man, whatever. You'll be back. We'll see you in about six weeks, maybe six days. You know, and they made a big joke out of it, you know, and for an entire year, I separated myself from everybody. I separated myself from friends that were no good for me. I separated myself from family that was no good for me. Didn't mean I didn't love them, but I knew I had to learn to love me first. You know, a lot of times people, you hear people say in the personal professional development space, you don't know what you don't know. But for me, I don't quite agree with that because I could look at my life and I knew what I didn't know. I knew I didn't know how to love myself. I knew that I didn't know how to create success. I didn't know how to feel significant. I didn't know how to create this reality that I didn't even know what the reality looked like, but I knew I didn't know how to create it. You know, and so during that, that week, this thought, this, this thing that my grandmother used to say to me popped into my head. And she used to always say, if you want to hide something from a man, put it in a book. And literally that week, I went up, you know, <laughs> I knew, I knew you were like that one, but that's what she used to say. If you want to hide something from a man, put it in a book. So at that time, there was no Facebook. There was no social media as it exists right now. I think Facebook was starting to come out, but it was only for college kids at that time. You, unless you were in college, you couldn't even get on Facebook. Then MySpace came out and I was on MySpace, but YouTube wasn't even what it is now. And so I, I had to read, like I literally had to read. Audible didn't exist. You know, none of the stuff that you guys have now in podcast land, you, I, would, I didn't have the ability to listen to conversations like this, you know, and really hear major, these people on these next level, like being vulnerable and sharing and, and me being able to connect to that. I didn't have that. Oh, Except, but I want to stop you for one second. This is the power. I want to I want to go back really quick to one thing. This is the power of being able to share your story. And in your case, when you were, I think you said 16, you were at your grandmother's house and it was a Phil Donahue episode. Mm -hmm. And it was the young man who was a bit older than you at that time that shared his story of abuse that started you down this path, mm -hmm. right? The realization that, oh my God, this is what happened to me and, and all of that. Yeah. And so now, yeah, we're really lucky that we have podcasts and all that stuff, but never underestimate where you're going to find the story mm -hmm. that resonates and changes your life. It could be this podcast. I hope it is for the yeah. listener, not you. <laughs> oh, no, no, no. I, I get you. But no, I 100%, I 100% agree. I'm sure people who are listening to this podcast right now, you know, as it goes live, 
they didn't know that this is what we were going to talk about today. And I'm sure a lot of them have had their own trauma and things that they experienced that, you know, they've created this entire world around them where they kind of hidden themselves behind a mask. They don't know how to be vulnerable because in this world, we're taught that vulnerability, being vulnerable is weakness. You know, Particularly as a man. Yes, for sure. For sure. And so that's something that I definitely bring to my industries is that ability to be vulnerable, because I think it takes more strength to be vulnerable than it does to hide behind a mask and pretend you're you're strong. But, um, you know, at this time in my life, I'm grateful for those moments. And I can I can look back on my life now. And I said, I'm grateful for the experiences that I've had, because, again, my spirit was able to overcome it, even though I tried to take my own life. That wasn't in the cards for me. And I'm so grateful that didn't happen. I'm grateful for every experience I've ever had, because with every one experience I've had, and I realized this at this time in my life when everything was changing, with every one experience that I had had, there was at least a million people out there experiencing just one of those experiences. And so if I could turn my life around, I could become a voice to millions. And for the first time in my life, I found my purpose. And this is why I always say, you know, if you want to find your purpose, understand that first purpose is rooted in service and service is rooted in love. But before you can truly step into purpose, you have to first learn to love yourself enough to grow, to evolve, to expand in your life so that you can then in the areas where you have grown, take it through your business, through your relationships, and you can serve the wisdom gained during that process into the lives of the people who cross your path. And that's where you find your purpose. Every day I wake up inspired because I get to impact someone's life. Every day I wake up, I get to love someone. And I ask myself every day at this point, what will be my legacy today? Not when I die, tomorrow's not promised. Remember like that's my mindset. Every single day I ask myself, what will be my legacy today? What will be my impact? How will I make someone feel because of the wisdom that I've gained on my journey, whether it's through my podcast, through my books, through what I post on social media. That's what I'm thinking every day. What will be my legacy? Because every day we're leaving a legacy, you know, and we can either either leave a legacy of a victim or we can leave a legacy of being a victor. You know, we can be uh, the hero of our story or the heroine of our story. You know, and so every day I'm turning to a new page. I'm not focused on yesterday. I'm not focused on tomorrow. I'm only focused on today because I'm writing the book of my life and how I speak, how I respond, how I think every single moment, every single breath. Again, since that gun is misfired is a gift. And so I'm acknowledging that gift every single day. I don't have time to complain. I don't have time to be frustrated. I don't have time to be angry. 15 years prior to getting to work in programs with Tony Robbins and, and the people that I've had, been, had the privilege of being around, I saw the potential for me to do what I'm doing today. But guess what? I had to take a journey, a deep journey. I had to go be really reflective in my life. And I had to get real about what I had the potential to achieve. See, because a lot of times we talk about what we have the potential to do, but we don't, we don't take extreme accountability when it comes to our ability to, uh, to, to, to create that reality. You know, and so we have to understand that if you've been given a vision, maybe you're at this point in your life and you don't really know you don't have a vision or maybe you don't even know what your purpose is because maybe you can't see it. You have blind spots because there's areas you need to heal or grow through, you know, and and I tell I want to tell the listeners this today, you know, really slow down and really just look at your life right now in this moment. I want you to think back to when you were a kid, before the hurt, before the pain, before the relationship that broke and the opportunities that didn't work out or whatever, all the disappointments, see, because trauma happens on multiple levels. Think back to before all that happened. As children, when we're born, we are born pure. 
Like we are born creative. We are born every single day is a new opportunity to learn something new. And you, I have a one-year-old now, a one and a half year old and watching her grow through the phases, all my kids, I have seven kids and I've gotten to watch all of them just kind of grow through the phases, you know, the not being able to move and only, you can only hold them, but then growing from that to now jumping and running and, you know, and it's, it's so amazing to watch, you know, but I always say my kids were my greatest teachers because Looking at them in those beginning stages, I saw me. I saw the truth of what I am. In their eyes, they didn't see some broke, busted, disgusted, suicide. All they saw was love. Because at that age, that's all they can see until they're taught to see something differently. And see, that's what's happened to all of us, you know, personally, professionally, spiritually. That We have some work to do because a huge part of our life is unlearning what we have chosen to believe that keeps us stuck where we are. And so me realizing this early on, again, I didn't have Facebook or social media and stuff like that. And, you know, I'd get lucky if a talk show came on and they were talking about something you know, <laughs> that was offering problems. But at that right. age, let's be honest, I wasn't sitting around watching talk shows. No, you know, no, that was only most, something at grandma's house. <laughs> well, you know, I did watch Jerry Springer, but uh, <laughs> that's not, a, that's not, that doesn't count. But, but, you know, in that time of my life, I said, well, what can I do that week? I grew up in the Bible Belt of Virginia, so I didn't really know what was happening to me. This passion, this inspiration was happening. I didn't know what was happening. And I grew up Southern Baptist, hellfire and brimstone messages. Like, and, and so at that point in my life, I was like, could this be God? And so I went on this huge spiritual journey for an entire year. <laughs> I read the Bible from beginning to end. I bought a King James reference Bible, a student Bible, a Strong's Exhaustive Concordance. I started studying the Hebrew, the Greek, the Aramaic, and because I really wanted to know what, what were they really saying from a cultural and even a tribal perspective, because this was not a modern people, but they had some advanced wisdom. And if I could tap into that, and I could see these messages coming to people who were just like me. The Bible calls them prophets or religion calls them prophets, but they were simply people who had reached a breaking point looking at what was either happening in their life or happening in the world. And that same voice that spoke to me spoke to them and said, it's time for you to move. You're worth so much more, but what are you going to do with it? Let me ask you something. Did you, when you were sitting in that car and the gun misfired and you heard that voice as clear as day, did you recognize that voice as God's voice? Did you think that that was the Holy Spirit? No. I didn't, He's shaking I his, didn't know. You didn't, didn't know what the hell just was. happened. You know, I'm like, what the, that's why I said, like, I went on the search because that was really the first time I had ever had an experience like that. I'm sure as a kid, like I had visions and dreams and I can remember seeing things or having those deja vu moments. And so I was aware that there was something greater, you know, that I was connected to. But, you know, growing up, like I grew up in church, I always tell people I was a drug baby. I got drugged to church. You know, like, yeah, I didn't want to be there, you know, because it was just a lot of it seemed contradictory to me, you know, and I was like, okay, my dad said, all right, when you turn 18, you can do what you want to do. So when I turned 18, I stopped going. But when my life went really bad, there were a lot of pastors in my community who told my family I was a lost cause. Because I was literally one of those people. People hear me now, but they just don't get it. Like, I was literally one of those people who, if you looked at me wrong, I was going to break your jaw. Like, I didn't care about you because nobody cared about me. I would put a gun to your head and I wouldn't think twice about it. Like, I really didn't care. Like, I was malicious. I was vindictive. Like, that's where I was. And so these people looking at that growing up where we grew up, you know, they were just like, yeah, 
I mean, it's going to take a miracle, but you know, <laughs> and it, that's he, what happened. He, and that's what happened, you know. But <laughs> because it happened that way, I'm I'm grateful for the experience, and I'm glad it happened that way. Because when this started happening, when my own spiritual awakening started happening, I remember saying after I got those books, I put my hands on the books. I'm sitting at the kitchen table at my home, and I said, "God, Spirit, Universe, whatever you are." You teach me, because if you don't teach me, I won't hear it from another man. Men have done nothing but disappoint me, hurt me. I will not hear it from another man. You show me. And I just, again, I isolated myself for an entire year. I learned so much. I used to go to Barnes and Noble and I would read sometimes 15 hours a day and I would finish entire books in days. But I wasn't one of those people just just reading to get get through it. I'm taking notes. And so I would literally start applying. I, I read books on emotional intelligence, conscious psychology, human motivations, regular psychology, spirituality, metaphysics, like you name it. I mean, I'm studying um, also entrepreneurship because I wanted to work for myself. I was never the type of person to work for someone else. Selling drugs just appealed to me. And I always tell people like, you might make fun of drug dealers, but good drug dealers are amazing entrepreneurs. They just don't know how to use that energy because of the environments that they grow up in. And so, yeah, man, it it really changed my life. And so fast forward, I ended up going back to school. I got a bachelor's in biblical studies, Eastern religion. And, and I started studying so much and I I began, I said, you know what, as I started studying the Aramaic and the original teachings, I said, you know, I'm going to go, I'm going to become a pastor because so much is taught wrong. It's ridiculous. Like most people only know what they're taught to know. They only know what's been given to them, but I've read the Bible and studied other translations more than most people even look at the Bible or pick it up, you know? And so I said, you know, I felt like Neo in the Matrix. Like, I'm going to go into the (laughs) Matrix. I'm going to set some people free because these people, you know, we got churches on every corner, but our communities still look like this. Our cities still look like this. People are still struggling like this. And, And I said, if Jesus could take 12 men and create a movement that flipped an entire nation upside down, that created uh, created these ripple effects that still impacts this world today, then what is it that these buildings, the people in these buildings t- saying they speak for him, what are they really doing? Because I don't see that being replicated. I don't, I don't see it replicated. I don't see the love being replicated. They can talk about it and it feels good while you're in the building. But then the moment you leave the building, you go back to that mess of a life that you created and you go right back to doing the things you were doing. And you're just like the lame man by the pool of Bethesda, waiting week in and week out, going to wait for the spirit to trouble the water so you can get a blessing, not realizing that you are your blessing, not realizing that every gift that you have is in you, you know, and just like an apple seed, the apple seed doesn't have to fight to be an apple tree. It already is. You are a spiritual being having a human experience, but your life has taught you or rather your life has led you on this journey down this path where your whole responsibility is to unlock the truth of what you are. And so that's what I started doing. The moment I started believing things were possible, I started taking every opportunity that I could take to impact people's lives, to teach a truth that would set them free, to teach them how to step into love, how to love themselves, how to translate that love into business, into relationships, into their mindset, into their their emotional state, their physical state, how to translate love, which is an active force into every part of their life. And so I passed there for five years. As you can imagine, it didn't go well amongst religious (laughs) circles because it was kind of destroying their whole structure 
you know, that whole, whole hierarchical system and the way that they had created it, because really it's a contradiction to what Jesus taught. If you really study it and you read Matthew 23, and I know we're talking to business owners, but again, this still applies. No, no, that's good. This is good. I'm curious about that. What do you mean, Matthew 23? Tell Matthew, me. Matthew 23, if you look in Matthew 23, the whole <laughs> chapter, he's calling the religious leaders of his time. He's talking to the religious leaders of his time. And he's calling them hypocrites. You do this and this and this, you're a hypocrite. You do this. If you really look at why he called them hypocrites and you study it and you look at what most people call the church today, if he was here today, he would call all of them hypocrites. And that's a hard truth to accept. This is why he said, many are going to come in my name saying, you know, I did this in your name. I did that in your name. He's going to say, I don't know you. I don't know you. Why? Because he only gave two commandments. Love the Lord God, which is all things. Everything is God. For nothing can be without God. So when you study the original language, God was not this man being in the sky waiting to judge everyone. God was the very essence of all life. And this is what Paul was talking about in in Romans 1 when he said, "God, God is clearly seen in all things. But you don't accept this aspect of God. Instead, you create a God in your image, in your likeness, after the image of corruptible man, four-footed beast, and creeping things. He hit every religion with that one statement, but you don't hear people talk about that. You don't hear them talk about the fact that when Jesus was talking about repentance, he wasn't talking about, forgive me, I'm no good, I'm unworthy, I'm a sinner. That word repentance in Aramaic, actually it illustrates something because the Aramaic language is the illustrative language and one word can have 50 to 100 different meanings. But that word illustrates a 180 degree turn. So it's a coming back to. So his message, repent for the kingdom is at, at hand. What he was ultimately saying is, remember, come back to yourself. Remember what you are. Remember how powerful you are. If you only had the faith of a mustard seed, you could speak to a mountain and tell it to move. Do you know how powerful you are in your life? You've been living a lie. You've been living your lie, following the systems of this world, telling you that you're not good enough and you need this if you want to be good enough. If you want to be worthy, you got to do this. But I'm here to tell you, you're already worthy. The kingdom is at hand. His entire message was the kingdom is like this. The kingdom is like this. The kingdom is like this. And then in one passage, Matthew, Matthew, sorry, (laughs) Matthew 633. See, I get excited. I'm sorry. Yeah, no, I, I. <laughs> I love the passion. I really do. And I love the, I love uh, biblical references to illustrate a point. I really do. I love it. Well, it's, it's all wired throughout me. I tell people I've studied all types of religions and beliefs and spirituality, you know, but Jesus is my avatar. Like that's the one that most closely connected to me. You know, whoever somebody else's journey is, I don't care if that, as long as that journey leads you back to a state of unconditional love, loving all things and all people, loving your neighbor as yourself, you know, because God is love and they that walk in love are one with God. As long as that journey takes you back to that place or to that same summit on the mountain, then God speak to you. Like that's what we need more of in the world is that love. And so I had to find that love in myself. I had to do that work. And when I started believing that it was possible, again, I was hungry. I was hungry and I wasn't just reading, I was applying. And so fast forward, I become a pastor. And after five years, my spirit just leads me to step down. And it was literally after meditating, after speaking one Sunday, and my spirit just spoke to me and said, you can't use this system to change the system. You have to create a new one. And so I went on this long journey. I started teaching meditation. I taught meditation for seven years. 
And I got to, I started impacting people. I started coaching. I started speaking. I rented out, well, I didn't even rent it out. They gave it to me for free, the YWCA in Lynchburg, Virginia, where they have, you know, a lot of women go there when they're in transition, coming out of abusive situations and they may have kids as well. And so I said, you know what? It's people there that I can relate to and I'm going to go share my story with them. And the first day, you know, it, it was one person that showed up. And I spoke to that one person as though I was talking to 1 million. Next week, that one person brought 10 people. And the next week, it continued to happen. It continued to happen. And it grew really quick. And I was like, wait a minute. That's really, you know, I, people would say, man, like your passion, your love, like what really got you to that point? Like, how did you realize how powerful love was in your life after growing through every experience that you had had? And I think the moment that it really impacted me was when I was during this time in my life, I was going through this phase where I couldn't sleep at night. And it wasn't because I was, I was, I, I was upset or had a lot, I was stressed out. It was none of that. It's literally, I felt like my spirit would wake me up around between 1 2 o'clock in the morning. And I literally would go walking. I would go walking. I would walk through the town, wherever I was, I would go walking. And I would end up talking to people. And I would start telling them just how special they are and how valuable they are. Next thing you know, there's like 10 to 20 people standing around me in the middle of the street, people that I've been in fights with, people I've sold drugs to, like all these people, you know, and they're hugging each other. By the time I'm done, they're hugging, they're crying. They're saying, I love you. Like, thank you so much. And they're watching me. And most people in that area, they knew me. They knew the life that I lived. And so one night I woke up and I was led to go to this one neighborhood. And in this neighborhood, it's a one way in and a one way out. And we used to have altercations with the people in this area all the time where I felt like my spirit was leading me to go down here. Now, I don't tell anybody to just go and do this. If you're not 100% sure that the spirit is saying, all right, go here, don't do it. Because it could have been a dangerous situation. But I, I at this point, I'm trusting my spirit. Also, the listeners, just so you know, okay, how tall are you? And you are very well built, okay? I mean, this is not a five foot six, hundred by a hundred pound man, okay? You are yeah. a big man. You can defend yourself. Yeah, for sure, for sure. And and I had for a really long time, which made this situation like if I if it wasn't my spirit saying it to me, I probably wouldn't have done it. But I literally went when I went there because it was one way in, one way out. I wasn't a dummy. I parked my car outside of the street and I walked down kind of zigzag through the community and I walked down into that area. And there were people, you know, they were sitting out on the stoop. And so it's nighttime. I'm getting up. I'm coming closer to the house. And there's a there's an outside light right there. And so as I get there, they start recognizing who it is. And they're like, we think you were in the wrong spot. What you doing down here? And and I just walk up, they come down off the stoop and one of the guys gets in my face and he puts a gun to my head, like center of my forehead. And his brother runs up on my right side and I'm looking, I'm still looking him in the eyes. And I said, you know what, man? I said, none of us living this life want to live this life. I said, half the people, you know, getting shot or going to jail, spending their lives in prison. We don't do this because we want to do it. We do it because we feel like we don't have any other options. I said, but you know what? I'm done fighting. I'm done arguing. I'm done, man, because at the end of the day, I want something better for my life. And I don't know why I'm here tonight, but all I'm going to say to you right now is if you pull that trigger, my dying words before you pull that trigger, my dying words to you are I love you. 
And all of a sudden, I know the audience can't see me. I'm holding up my hand like I'm holding a gun. His hand started to shake. Wow. His hand started to shake and he leaned forward like he kind of came forward and I grabbed him and his brother thought he was lunging at me. So he went to hit me and I, I just kind of leaned back. And then he realized that when his brother fell into me, he started crying. And it's so I told powerful. Him, and that was when I realized how powerful love is. When someone is hurting, a lot of times we feel like we need to have all the answers. How about we just shut up and just say, listen, I love you. I love you. Something that should be so easy. We were created from love to be loved in everything that we do in this world. That's the light. That's the salt that adds the season to every experience, every encounter, every opportunity. We were created to be loved. But isn't it crazy that even in our businesses, in our relationships, you know, we walk past people every day and simply because we don't quote unquote know them, it's awkward to say, I love you, when that should be like the most natural response to say, I love you. You know, I was talking, I was doing a mentorship or a course this morning, and I was sharing a story of how this lady, I'm in Arizona for the listeners who don't know, it gets really hot in the summer, as you can imagine. <laughs> well, the lady's coming out, she's delivering the mail, and I'd seen her several times, and I, I was just out for a walk. And I walk up to her and I say, you know what, I just want to say thank you for doing what you do. Like, I can only imagine how drained you are at the end of the day. And I said, I don't know if anybody's told you this today, but I love you. And she looked at me like shocked. And she was like, uh, 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 well, I like you too. <laughs> it was like, it made it so uncomfortable. Like, has anybody ever told you they love you? And it, it, like, it, 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 it's like, how can I even say like, I can't tell you I love you. I don't know you. You know, and I always tell people, I love everybody. I love everybody. I don't care who you are. I don't care what you've been through. Even people who make, some people may say, oh, they're evil. Hurt people hurt people. At some point in their life, something happened to them. Something was programmed into them to make them that way. But that's not their true nature. It's the mask that they've put on for the world for whatever reason. But I believe that perfect love, as the Bible says, perfect love cast out all sin. Everything that leads us to miss the mark of living a whole life, a peaceful life, a joyful life, a life where we have self-control, you know, all the fruit of the spirit, love, joy, peace, meekness, temperance, self-control, you know, all these things, they are our birthright. Like we should be living this in every aspect of our life, but why are we not? It's because we, we've forgotten love. We've forgotten what we are. We've forgotten why we are here to begin with. I'm not here to die and be a fading memory. I'm here to live a life in such a way that I become a memory that people never forget because I leave a legacy of impact. I, I, I show people how to love themselves. I inspire them to see beyond their current circumstance, their current mask. And that's what's brought me to this point. You know, it's opened up so many doors for me and I didn't go out here, you know, trying to pretend like I'm, I'm something I'm not. I'm not one of the, I hate the phrase, fake it till you make it. I say, be it until it becomes it because you are it. If it, it, you know, again, apple seed doesn't have to fight to be an apple tree. It is what it was created to be. And so you are what you were created to be. You know, you want to reconnect to your life. You want to reconnect to your, that, that, that vision, that inspiration, that thing that you feel you are gifted to do in this world, whether it's a business or whatever it is, 
then you have to learn to love yourself because you can only love others as deeply as you love yourself. And we hear this all the time in the personal professional development space and the entrepreneurial space. You know, you can't take somebody somewhere you haven't been. But even when it comes to purchasing, if you have products and services, what is what do we normally say? People purchase from people they like, know and trust. Well, you can't show me anybody that truly trusts you if they don't love you. But can you be that example of love through your business, through your relationships, through whatever modality you've been given to show up in this world? Can you evolve your life and expand that love to such a degree that everywhere you go, people notice that there's something different about you? Let me ask you a question. So where would you suggest? I know that you coach people. I know that you have masterminds. I know that you've authored a book and that you have two more books coming very early to uh, 2022. Um and by the way, the date of this recording is December 29th of 2021. So um, we have a lot to look forward to from you mm-hmm. coming from you in the next few months. But to me, what I take away from our conversation today and listening to you in the past and, and um, hearing you speak, the first step is um, self-acceptance and self accountability or responsibility for your own life. I I keep going back to that moment that you did hear what I believe you heard the Holy Spirit. I believe you heard the voice of God um, telling you that your life is this way because you made it this way. You chose these things. Yes, these horrible things happened to you, 150%. However, you chose the way you respond. <clears throat> do you do you agree with me or am I correct in, in assuming that what you're saying is that a really the best place to start is that healing and that responsibility for, sure. for the choices you made after victimization? Totally. One hundred percent. Because at the end of the day, I always say your life is a product of you. Your life is a product of you or it mirrors back to you some area where you have to grow. So everything starts with you. One of my famous quotes is you are the root to the tree of your life. If you don't like the fruit, you got to go back to the root because everything that's growing in that tree is a product of you. How you're nurturing that root, where are you putting your focus? You know, Tony always says where your focus goes, your energy flows, you know, and where your energy flows, that's where you're going to create. And so in order to truly master how you're creating your life, it all starts with you. And and this is why my main focus for the past 18 years has been on self mastery. Because see, a lot of people talk talk about, you know, professional development and personal development, but until you understand spiritual development, it doesn't matter what you do personally or professionally, there's always gonna be something missing. It's never gonna be enough. It's always gonna be something that continues to pop up. You know, and so it all starts with you. And so when you begin this journey, my first book that I wrote, it's on Amazon. Um, Actually, there's a free, if you guys are PDF readers, I'm not one, I like to have a book in my hand, but I give away a free PDF on my website at princetonclark.com. My first book, Awakening Your Inner Master, The Journey of Self-Mastery. And it breaks down just this journey of self-mastery, how to understand yourself from a spiritual place, but also a practical place as it translates into how you're creating your life, how you're building relationships, how you build business, everything that you create is a product of you, you know? And so when we can focus on self mastery, which is really conscious mastery, spiritual mastery, then professional mastery and and, and personal mastery is a instant byproduct. It's guaranteed to happen. Why? Because you're starting at the root and you can only create 
based on what's happening at the root. So the more aware I become of how I'm choosing to respond in my life, the more aware I become of how I can choose to respond differently. And so I was talking about this today in the course that I'm doing right now and understanding that when you're growing through these moments in your life, major transitions, whether it's relationships, jobs, or whatever it is, you have to learn to surrender. You have to learn to surrender. And people say, well, you know, what do you mean surrender? Like surrendering to the process is hard for me. And I told them, I tell them all the time, like surrendering really isn't hard. You surrender every day. You surrender to fear. You surrender to worry. You surrender to doubt. You surrender to frustration. You surrender to anger. You surrender to things that don't nurture the root to create the fruit that you have the potential to create. And then you wonder why it's not manifesting. It's because the things that you are surrendering to are not vibrating in the frequency or flowing in the spirit of what's possible for you. It's out of alignment. And so if you want to, if you truly want to live a masterful life, I'm going to make it simple. Well, not simple. I'm going to give you the the blueprint right here. Surrender to love. Surrender to faith. Surrender to joy. Surrender to peace because you deserve it. You deserve it. Surrender to self-control. Surrender to temperance. The ability to become the thermometer or the thermostat instead of the thermometer in your life. Surrender to your God-given power to be everything you were ever created to be. And if you don't know how to do that, get a mentor, get a coach, get someone who can dig in and pull up that crap and put it in front of your face. And, And that's what I do. Like, I'm one of those people. I say, if you come to me, by the time you get to me, You better be sick and tired of being sick and tired because I'm not one of those people that are going to pat you on your back, make you feel good for playing small. I'm going to kick you off the cliff and make you form wings because I already see them because and and I'm I'm not going to talk to you about your problems over and over again. We'll talk about your problem. I always tell my clients, we'll talk about your problem one time. And from that moment, we're only talking about solutions. Why? Because I'm too surrendered to the moment. I'm going to love myself and I'm going to love you. I'm going to create joy in my life. I'm going to show you how to create joy in your life. I'm going to create peace in my life. I'm going to show you how to create peace in your life. And you can't do that by still showing up the way you used to show up. You can't do that by complaining about what's not happening when you're not getting the results as a result of the work you're not putting in. You don't have space to complain about the results that are not coming into your life. If you are in this space and you may be saying, I want to go to coaching or I want to, I don't have the money. I don't have the money. You know, number one, the problem isn't that you don't have the money. Tony talks about this. He says, a lot of people say, I don't have the resources to do X, Y, and Z. The truth is you don't lack resources. You lack resourcefulness. You lack resourcefulness. You lack the desire to do something new. And it's not because you can't, because I guarantee you, if somebody came and they put a gun to your head or they strapped a time bomb to your chest and they said in 24 hours you will die if you don't start taking actions to do what you were created to do today even if you don't know what it is guess what you're going to be calling people you're going to be going and reading books you're going to be on youtube you're going to be trying to figure something out you're going to become super resourceful why because now there's a sense of urgency the problem with most people is that they have no sense of urgency. They live every day like tomorrow's promise, even though, even through this COVID experience, you see so many people who are not, millions of people who are no longer here, who thought that they had tomorrow, who thought they had next week. Somebody woke up this morning, was in a car accident, had a heart attack, had a stroke. Somebody woke up today or didn't wake up today thinking yesterday, today they were gonna make something. Tomorrow is not promised to you. 
You know, the world doesn't know, owe you anything. You don't get a participation trophy just because you're here. You got to show up for your life. And if you're not going to show up for your life, you don't get to complain about it. You don't get to play the victim because the person victimizing you is you. The person putting you in the place that you're in right now is you. And see, I can say this because I've been there. You know, taking this journey to learn to love myself and to own my power and to create a sense of urgency every single day of my life because I'm worth that much was something I had to choose to do. I had to surrender to my potential. I had to surrender to my power and I had to surrender to my purpose. And now I get to impact people all over the world and I'm not done yet. And people say, well, man, you show so much, like you have this passion, you have this energy and it just comes out of you. Like you can't be like that all the time. And I'm like, why not? Why not? I might not be expressive like this all the time, but I feel this all the time. But I had to do the work. I had to surrender to loving myself and doing all of those things. And I'm gonna I'm gonna ask you, this isn't a form of a question. It's not like a one and done thing, right? It's a daily practice. It's not like Princeton reached this state of nirvana of loving himself and then he never has to think about it again. No, this is a daily choice, I'm sure, for you. Oh, I know sure. it is. It has to yeah. be. I was actually getting ready to say that. It was yeah. you know, because it, it is practices. It's a series of practices. I've done everything. Like I said, meditation, journaling, prayer, you know, doing my incantation, speaking and decreeing over my own life. You know, I have conversations with Princeton every day. I always say, Princeton is who I say Princeton's going to be, not the other way around. I am love. I am power. I am truth. I am wisdom. And so Princeton is going to fall in alignment with me. And so there's days where I wake up and Princeton doesn't feel like doing the work. And I have to have those conversations and say, all right, listen, buddy, listen, like you don't dictate my life to me. You're just a suit. That's all you are. This little egoic personified idea that, that you think you are like you don't control me anymore. It's that real for me. You know, I I speak to that thing. And sometimes I don't even I don't speak like that. Sometimes I'm talking to the little Princeton and I'll envision I'll be sitting on my bed. I wake up in the morning. I do my gratitudes. I say everything that I'm grateful for. And then I ask myself how I want to feel for the day. And I really start thinking about how I want to feel love and joy and peace. And then I ask myself, how can I use this feeling and leave a legacy to the world today by the impact that I create? And then some days I have those moments where I'm, I'm feeling a little down. You know, my energy is a little down and I'm like, man, like I do some deep introspection. Like, why is that happening? But I started doing this thing. Well, I've been doing it for years now where when I feel that like kind of disappointment or sadness or whatever it is, we're human. It's a part of the human experience. It's going to happen to all of us until we leave this planet. But I've learned to be be very introspective and, and observational when those moments happen, because I realize that those moments I'm not talking to this version of Princeton. I'm talking to that little version of Princeton. And so I envision the little version of me sitting on the bed next to me with his head in his knees, with his head buried down in his arms. And I'm just talking to him like, Princeton, what's wrong? What's wrong? Like, why don't you believe? Like, what's bothering you today? Like, why are you letting this stuff get to you? What's getting to you? And then I get quiet and I listen and I literally imagine what Princeton is saying to me. It's a wonderful technique Mm -hmm. because you got to take the feeling out of yourself or the emotion. See, because the thing about feelings and emotions, see, intuitively, we have feelings. Physically, we have emotions, you know. And so when I talk about emotions, you know, again, where your focus goes, your energy flows. 
but sometimes it's not all it's not always a mental thought sometimes it's an inner thought you know a belief system that you created this energetic bond with and you got to start cutting these bands and so when i'm doing that work and i feel energy in motion or emotion in my body then i know that that energy it's like the book the body keeps the score i know that it's because something's in my body that i've been holding on to and most of what we experience as adults stems back to when we were children in the entire framework of our lives as adults for most people who haven't discovered this part of themselves stems back to when they were children it has nothing to do with now 50 percent of your person your personality not your spirituality there's a difference 50 percent of your personality was developed between birth and four years old another 30 percent was developed between four and 11. another 20 percent was developed between 11 and 18. this is why when we get into our 20s and we're out on our own we spend our entire 20s trying to figure out who the hell we are because we're living behind the mask of what's good, what's bad, what's right, what's wrong, based on other people's perspectives and what they have told us. You know, we come into this world pure, not judging or labeling anything. It's just an experience. But then somewhere along the line, when we start reaching the age of understanding, I say the age of confusion, <laughs> like our parents tell us what beautiful, what's ugly, what's right, what's wrong, what's good, what's bad. We go to school and now we hear the perspectives of other people and then uh, combining that with our family. And then we start building relationships and then get closer. And then we open ourselves up because that part of that child is still, uh, is still connected to us. And we want to experience relationships. There is no racism or anything like that. When we're kids, those are things that are taught and programmed into us. You know, any type of negative thought process or program, you know, but we assume but, all go ahead. Yeah, no, no, I'm so sorry. So I, I want to go back because I know for myself this week, this this last few days of, of 2021, I have a lot of feelings and emotion about the last two years, about the COVID experience, about, you know, not hitting the goal that I had set for myself in my business this year. Um and so I know that there are so many other people listening who are struggling um, with with sadness, with some depression, with disappointment. When you're sitting and you're imagining the little, um, I'm pointing over here because there's a couch, the little Princeton, the young Princeton, the three-year-old, the four-year-old, the seven-year-old, and he's got his, he's got his he head down on his arms, on his knees, and, and you're talking to him, what's wrong, buddy? What's mm -hmm. going on? What's the next steps? Because I think that this is, could be a very powerful technique for people. Mm -hmm. Totally. And it is. So after that happens, again, I'm very intuitively, intuitively listening. I'm deeply, in, deeply listening and observing what's coming up. You know, a lot of people say when they go to do something new or they're facing a challenge, they're like, I don't know what to do. I don't know what to do. That's not true. You know, you're just communicating and you're so focused externally that, that you can't see it. But I guarantee you right now, if I'm struggling financially, I know a lot of people are struggling financially because of what's happened with COVID. <clears throat> if I'm struggling financially, then we have to understand that every aspect of our life, we have a relationship with it. Everything is spirit or everything is energy. You know, and so when there's things that we're struggling with, whether, whether it's an emotional struggle, you know, because of a relationship or as a result of a lost opportunity, a lost loved one, whatever it is, whatever it is, when we start to do that introspection, because sometimes you're not talking to the little version of you, you're talking to that teenage version of you, or you're talking to the last year or the last week version of you. 
you know, depending on where that happened, like you said, COVID is happening right now. People have lost jobs and family members, all that stuff right now. So it's not necessarily them talking to that little kid. It's more them talking to that version of you, version of them that experienced that, that trauma, because that's what it was on any level, any deep level of disappointment, it imprints an energetic mark in your body, you know? And so this stuff has to come out. And so when you give yourself space and grace to just love yourself where you are, understand that you are not the sum of what has happened back here. You're not the sum of what may or may not happen in the future. All we ever have is right now. So ultimately when I'm thinking about the relationships that I have with business, you know, or with my goals or with my financial status or any of those things, I can talk to any one of those things. I literally can close my eyes and take a deep breath and ask money. Like, even if you do it right now, like you don't have to say it out loud, but just as an example, we'll use money as an example. If you close your eyes and you say, money, why am I challenged by you? And you really listen, your spirit knows the answer. All the answers you need are right here. I actually had someone do this and I learned this from this guy, Shaman Direct. He, I mean, well known, but he was, he was doing that. He took this guy to the, through the practice. And so I started doing it. And so I'm talking to this guy and I'm saying, so what is money saying to you? Cause he, I gave him, gave him a few moments to really just listen. And he said, money says, I'm not using him wisely. I'm neglecting opportunities to invest in things that are going to make me better. And I'm investing in things that don't see. And, and he just went on and on and on. And I was like, you see, like, you knew, you know why you don't have money. You're creating the reason why. So if we get real, when I sit down and I'm talking to Princeton, ultimately the, my whole point when I'm talking to little Princeton is to remind him that, look, you are beautiful. You are great. You are amazing. You don't have to compare yourself to anyone. You don't have to appease anyone. You were born as an original blueprint and all you have to do is be you. That's all you have to do is be you. And, and really it's just having that, the self dialogue, you know, with these different areas of your life, you have a bad relationship, get quiet, take a deep breath. Don't ask the other person, ask the relationship. Because it's all energy that you've put out. You've created this reality based on the energy or the spirit that you've been walking in. And so when you ask that energy relationship, why am I struggling with you right now? I guarantee you that relationship, the energy is going to speak back to you. The spirit of that is going to speak back to you and say, because you've been neglecting yourself. You've been waiting for this person to love you in a way that you don't love you. You've been waiting for other people to feel this void and only you can feel this void. The spirit is always talking to it. That's still small voice. The problem is we get so in our head trying to analyze every new thing and every new situation that happens. But understand this. I'm going to say this to everyone here. Anytime you go into something new and you're allowing fear to control you, first of all, I need you to change the way you see things. There's one of my favorite quotes, change the way you see things and the things you see will change. I have a beautiful relationship with fear. I love fear. Why? Because fear is an alarm system from my soul letting me know I'm stepping into something new. Fear doesn't come to beat me down. I beat me down because I choose to make fear a monster. Now, of course, if somebody puts a gun to my head or they're chasing me, they want to beat me up. That's a different type of fear. But even me at this point, I don't even think I have fear when it comes to that. Like, I don't think you can put fear in the heart of a mind or the mind of a man who tried to take his own life. At this point, every breath is a gift. If this is my moment to go, it's my moment to go. Whatever. You know, I'm so much more than this body. And so are you, you all the listeners out there. But 
in the moment where, when it comes to growth, when it comes to stepping into something new, fear pops up and it's letting our spirit know, okay, you're stepping into something new. If we look at it from terms of the four growth zones, listeners, if you go to Google, type in the four zones of growth and you're going to see a diagram, but there's four zones of growth. The first zone is the comfort zone. That's where most of us have been. That's where we become comfortably miserable. That's where the insanity is in the comfort zone. As you step out of that comfort zone, the next zone is the fear zone. Why? You're stepping into something new. So all of a sudden, the spirit starts, you're doing it, you're doing it. Here we go, here we go. And I think a lot of times people confuse anxiety with spiritual excitement. See, because if they're not used to it, like when, when I go to step into something new, I get this feeling that's unsettling, but it's only unsettling to me because it's new. My spirit already knows what's possible. It would have never given me the, the, the inspiration to do it if it wasn't possible. With vision comes provision. My spirit already knows what's possible. So it starts letting me know, okay, you're doing it. You're stepping into something new. And again, change the way you see things, the things you see will change. And so this is how I see fear. And so as I start taking that step, I don't create a wall out of fear because fear is just a doorway. We create a wall out of fear because the moment we go to step into something new, that we've been inspired at a heart level to step into, we start to do what? We move out of our heart space and we move into the head space. We start analyzing, well, the what, the how, the when, like what, how can I do this? And then what does the brain do? The brain tries to search all the information in the computer system based on experiences you've already had. And all of a sudden that brain starts spitting out information at you. You know, remember when you did this last time? Remember when people didn't support you over here? Remember when you got excited before and you said you were going to do it? Look, remember this time? Because the, the brain can only show you what it's measured up to, the, up to this point. It can't quantify the newness that you haven't stepped into. And so what creates uncertainty is the fact that you're still being stuck in old programs, looking back to what has happened instead of sinking into your heart, taking a deep breath and saying, wait a minute. I get to create this new moment. I get to determine what this moment is going to be. And then as you do that, you, you turn, because another thing you're going to do is the remember wins. I say it's made of, the wall is made of two things that when people say, I'm just stuck, I don't know why I'm afraid. I say, because you created a wall and that wall is made of two things. The remember wins and the what ifs. What, what if you don't do this? What, what if it, the business fails? What if this new relationship falls apart? What if, cause the brain is only measuring what may happen based on what has already been experienced. So you're always going to build this wall. When I see people who are stuck at that next level of growth, that fear zone, I say, okay, you just turned a door into a wall. When really anytime that approaches and you're stepping into something new, if you just turn the doorknob and commit to it on the other side of the fear zone is what? The learning zone. The learning zone. This is where you begin to absorb new information. You get to create new belief systems. You get to see new possibilities and you get to choose to act on those possibilities. And as you continue to do that, you move into the fourth zone, which is the growth zone. This is where vision is actualized. This is where inspiration and clarity is expanded. When you know when you've entered into a zone of growth, because after doing all the work on your life path curriculum through this phase of your life, the teacher has taught you, you've applied the wisdom from the lesson, and now it's exam time, 
And now you've passed the test and all these doors start opening. This is when new connections start coming. People start just haphazardly, not haphazardly, but, you know, coming into your life at random spaces and times. Like I never would have known that I, I would meet you when I first began my journey or I would meet Tony and the 365 Driven family or any of the other people. I would have never known that I was going to meet Tony Robbins if I had never opened the door of fear, asked myself, what is it that I need to learn to create something new that I'm currently not creating because I don't have the awareness of it yet. And then I'm doing right. the work and then I'm going to be expanded. You know, it's a process. And this is a process that I take my clients through because we complicate life when life is really simple. And William Shakespeare summed it up in the most simplest terms, to be or not to be. <laughs> That's the question. That's the question. Every yeah. day you wake up, will I be or will I not be? If I get to the end of my day and I chose not to be, guess what? I'm not going to complain. I'm not going to cry. I'm not. Why? Because I, under, I understand that what I create is a product of me. Even when I choose not to be, life is going to create something for me. And I'm going to be like a leaf blowing in the wind. And this is where most people right. are. They're and that it's leaf sad. Blowing in the wind. Mm-hmm. But we could, go, we could go on and on. There's so much that I could say and pour out after 18 years of doing this work. You know, but the greatest piece of wisdom I can give to you right now, if you don't know how to do it, is learn to love you. Learn to forgive you. And learn to surrender to the possibility of you in your life. Because nobody is going to dictate to you what your life is going to be. You choose what that is. Now, if you give your power away to people, they can dictate that to you. But I always say, if you don't mind, it don't matter. And I don't mind a lot of people and a lot of perspectives because the only thing that matters to me is what I choose to be, what I choose to become, what I choose to manifest and leave in this world. That's all I'm focused on every day. I have kids. My, my oldest son is 21 now, and he's getting ready to go UNC, and he's going as a quarterback. You know, and um, congrats. Like, thank you. Thank you. I'm really excited. And he's excited. That's like my foot, my team, too. So I'm super excited for college football this this coming year. You know, but even in how I talk to my kids, like I'm leaving this legacy in their lives every single day. When I talk to my kids, I say my kids are my best friend. I can literally sit with my my oldest three, my 21, 19 and 17 year old. And we'll talk for like three hours just having a conversation. But my oldest son. When he talks about going pro, his, his trainer played pro, but his trainer told him, he said, I've never seen the mindset or the raw natural talent in anyone the way I see in you. He said, I'm willing to put my house up and bet that in the next two to three years you go pro. I guarantee it, you'll go pro. But to my son, we've been having conversations like this since he was little. You know, the first time I saw him throw a football, I was like, this kid has a gift. And so from that moment, I start speaking into him. And I was like, if you truly believe that this is possible for you, don't let anyone tell you it's not possible. Even if you start struggling, don't even let me tell you it's not possible. Because if you can believe it, if you can see it and believe it, you can achieve it. And so I've always talked to him. So when we talk now about him going to the league, it's not in, in terms of, you know, if it happens, it's, it's it, when it's it's when it's like okay when, when i get to pro dad like i'm not going there for all the money the money's going to be great i'm going to have a lot of ador- endorsements you know my name's going to be a household name but i'm not doing it for those things i'm doing it because of the door that it's going to open for me to be an impact in the world just like what you're doing to be able to inspire other people like these are the conversations i have with my 21 year old and so when i see mature adults 50 60 older 
who don't even know how powerful they are, it likes the spire in me to just be that beacon of light that speaks that to them. You can't right, like, tell me something's not possible. Yeah. Like your work just isn't done. You haven't touched enough people yet. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah, I know, feel that too. I feel like this is something, cause I used to be really zealous when it came, cause I used to always say, I'm going to change the world. I'm going to change the world. And one day in meditation and prayer, my spirit just spoke to me and said, if you impact one person a day, you change the world. That's 365 people a year, but it's not just 365 people a year. You impact every person that that person is connected to every single day. And so that's your legacy. And so every day I wake up, I'm leaving that legacy because that next person that I impact, maybe it's not me that's going to do this massive thing. Maybe it's one person that I impact that becomes the next Martin Luther King, Gandhi, you know, Jesus, like, you know, in the sense of their impact, like, you don't know who your impact. It could be the next Mother Teresa who goes and starts a massive orphanage and takes care of all these children and the elderly. You don't know who you're impacting. You know, and so luckily I didn't have that person coming into my life. I had spiritual, spiritual awareness happen because I came to the end of me. Nobody was there saying, Princeton, you're screwing up. Look, you created this reality. All I had was the spiritual revelation of that. And so I live based on that spiritual revelation now. And that's where I try to show other people to go because you don't, nobody can tell you how to be the best version of you. They can give you tips, but I always say I function like, like, like the disciples did. Like when I work, it's a form of discipleship. Not only am I going to teach you everything that I've learned, I'm going to challenge you to own it. And then I'm going to challenge you to embody it for yourself so that you can be greater than I was when I was where you are. And so that's what's going to happen in this coming year. You know, I got the new book that's getting ready to come out this January. It's Warrior of Love, Speaker of Truth, a decade anthology. And this was actually a gift done for me by my fiance, Kirsten. You know, she went back over 10 years because this was actually what I wanted my first book to be. But I didn't have the patience. I had so much I was focused on. I wasn't going back through all my writings and doing all that. But for my birthday this year, she went back through the past 10 years of stuff that I've wrote, written and posted and she pulled eight to 10 things from each year. And so literally this is one of those books that you can open up and no matter what page you open up to, it's gonna to speak to some aspect of your life. So that's gonna be coming out, it'll be available. I'm doing pre-sales now, if people reach out to me, um, they can contact me via my website at, um, I was about to say Instagram, at Princeton Clark. But uh, my website, princetonclark.com. And also if you wanna follow my podcast, it's Evolved mastery e-v-o-l-d-e-d -E -E not evolved but evolved mastery um you can check that out and I, i'm also releasing an app this year it's called the unbreakable app and i'm starting a new podcast it's going to be the unbreakable podcast where i'm going to share with people how to live with an unbreakable spirit to tap into an unbreakable oh, I can't life, wait. unbreakable potential with unbreakable finances to leave an unbreakable destiny. Oh, i'd love and to so are I'm you really kidding excited. what an honor my gosh yeah so okay so to so to pre-order that book, yeah, um, go to PrincetonClark.com. And I'm going to spell it because there's no E on the end of your name. It's on the end of your last name. It's P-R-I-N-C-E-T-O-N, Princeton, Clark, C-L-A-R-K.com. Correct? Yeah. Yeah. And I, I have not been chain smoking. Mm -hmm. I just have bronchitis. Yes. I know I yes. sound like, and you know, Madge from God. <laughs> 
But um, <laughs> and that's going to be you're going to be able to pre-order the Warrior of Love Speaker of Truth. And you have another um, app coming. Well, you have an app coming out called Unbreakable. Your podcast is going to be um, redone and released. Unbreakable podcast. The Awakening. Mm-hmm. Um, the, the, the other book. You talked about another book, though, in 2022. Yes. Awakening Your Awakening Inner Master. Your inner when master. is that going to be available? <clears throat> okay. Actually, that was my first book. The new book is Unbreakable. Yeah, the new book is Unbreakable. That's going to be coming. My goal is is March, but Awakening Your Inner Master is available now on Amazon. But I'll make it really simple for, for you guys out in podcast land. Go to my Instagram, tap on the link in my bio, the link tree, and everything is going to be there. I update it weekly. I actually need to go on my website and update a few things on there today. Um, because you 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 made me realize that I still had the event. Plan. Takes a village, my friend. It really does. It takes a village. One hundred percent. Well, you know, I, I just appreciate you, and I appreciate your time. And you know, do you have any questions for me? You know, your audience better than I do. I know we kind of went to several different places today in the conversation. You know, but is there anything that you know really stood out to you that? you have for me? Well, you know, I I think I wish, I wish that there was a way that I could take calls from people. I have to figure out how I can do a sort of situation where I could take calls from people. I know my audience is going to want to know, um, like, do you do one-on-one coaching? Do you do group coaching? Um, can people hire you to come speak to their team? So I'm in, you may or may not remember, but I'm in network marketing and that's my primary focus. I don't monetize this podcast. This is a labor of love. I just absolutely, I just love it. I really do. And, and, and your message about, um, Mm -hmm. the ripple effect of being able to, to, to live your honest life and to speak your truth and to tell your story and to impact people. And you realized in your, in your, um, praying and in your, um, what do you call that when you're sitting quietly? Thank you. (laughs) During your meditation, (laughs) uh, all I could think of was manifestation and I knew that wasn't it, but, um, you know, you taught me in Arizona, I had always, for the last few years, I've been waking up and talking about what I'm grateful for. But the piece I added that you taught me was to think about what legacy does Lisa want to leave today? How does she want to make people feel when she encounters them? Um, if tomorrow I'm not here, you know, how did I make people feel today? So I added that piece on and it was really, really, it's been incredibly helpful for me. I went live on my Instagram shortly after. And I talked about it and I wanted to let you know that one of my dear friends reached out to me to tell me that she started doing it and that now if she starts talking about it, how many people does she impact? And if they start talking about how many people did they impact? And that's the way you change the world. One story, one person at a time. And I, I, I relate that back to my network marketing business. Um, because my goal, my purpose is to create opportunity for people through network marketing to realize their dreams. 
right? It's, it's, it's a, it's a side way to earn income, Mm -hmm. right? But if I tell my story over and over and over again, and I change one person's life, it's worth it. And so I'm chasing that feeling. I'm chasing that possibility. And, and it's, it's real similar, I think, to what, um, what you talked about on the show today. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I just want to honor you. You're still showing. I know you're not feeling well today. You're still healing. You know, so you're allowed to have some brain fog. You're, you're allowed not to have all the words right now. I know when I had COVID, I know you don't have COVID, but I know when I had COVID and I got better, you know, I, I had such brain fog and, you know, just loving myself through that process. So I just want to honor you and tell you, I love you before I say what I'm about to say, but you know, I just really respect where you are right now. And it's such a beautiful place to be, to be in this moment where you're starting to honor the gift of you. You are a gift to this world, you know, and literally the gifts that you can give will keep giving. Love never stops giving. Joy never stops giving. Peace never stops giving if you put it into the hands of the right people. And to know that you've taken that wisdom and you've started to apply that to your life. It means a lot to me because I sowed a seed and immediately you started to develop fruit from that seed, you know, but you know, the Bible says that, you know, one sows the seed, one waters, but God brings the increase, you know? And so as you step into that power of your flow, you know, in your business in your network in your family, you know, it's going to, it's going to take you so far, you know, it's going to open up so many doors and it's going to open up doors for the people that are connected to you. And going back to what you said about, you know, you wish you could take calls. i tell you what, I want you to reach out to your team. I want you, if your audience reaches out. So if you guys are still listening right now, if you reach out to Lisa on social media, you know, and say, Hey, I'd love to be a part of a zoom call where we can do kind of a live thing. I'll put together something for you guys. And no, I'm not going to charge you thousands of dollars for it, you know, but I'll put together something special for you guys where you guys will be able to come in and ask questions and I'll pour into you, you know, but I want you guys going into this next year powerfully. I want you moving, creating momentum. And so that's my gift to you and to your audience and to the things that you're building, the community that you're building Thank right you. now. So oh, you and I can talk sounds more about great. that. Okay. Offline. So follow my friend, follow at Princeton Clark on Instagram. They can find you on LinkedIn. They can find your website. I so appreciate your time. And collectively, on behalf of my audience, I want to tell you that we love you. We love you. And thank you for being such a blessing. Aww. I love you guys, man. For more information on the Direct AF Sales book or custom dice course or workbook, go on over to directafsales.com. There's going to be a discount code for all the listeners there. It's code directaf20 and grab yours today. Thanks for listening to today's show. Please leave me a review. Make sure you subscribe and even better, share it with a friend so that we can share our message and our content and help as many people as we can. Thanks guys.